Good morning. Can you hear me all right? I just got a word for those of you that can remember when I was here as a pastor. You're old. Um, I mean, Denise, bless her, talking about the color of my hair. She was a teenager when I first knew her, so just a couple of years ago. I'm going to say what you expect me to say. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, when God made you, he was showing off. Good. We're going to read from the scriptures from John's Gospel and chapter 4 and verse 6. Quite a long reading. I'll see how much of it I can fit in. John 4 verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journeys, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you then get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. For the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You've well said, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, uh, we know what we worship, for salvation of the, is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, the disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman left her water pot, went away into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Let's just leap down to verse 34. 
Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. My, uh, my title for this morning, which your pastor's been trying to work out all week, my title is Oranges on the Titanic. Obvious, isn't it, really? Please yourselves. Oranges on the... Now, Titanic legends abound, don't they? And I'm not sure if this story is true or apocryphal, but it's a story worth saying. Uh, on that ill-fated vessel, a lady was travelling... Uh, and upon hearing the cry to abandon ship on the Titanic, she ran to her cabin to retrieve something of great importance. Now, her cabin was full of furs, expensive clothes, jewellery, and in the midst of all that, she made a grab for one small bag and clutched it to herself with relief. Its contents were crucial for the ordeal that lay ahead. It was a bag full of oranges. And she knew that at sea, in that storm, there might well come a time when those oranges were worth more than diamonds. They could save her life. And I say that to bring your attention to the fact that there are times when life's priorities are turned upside down. There are times when a police investigation can have its course changed by a new discovery. There are times when sickness can make you rethink your life. There are times when a fresh revelation of the Word of God can change your perspectives, your ambitions, your priorities, even your behavior. And I believe that in these days, it seems in Jeremiah's words that truth is trampled in the streets. And at such a time as this, it is time for the church to get its priorities right. This is a time when the world is in a mess. I mean, you never turn the news on to get cheered up, do you? Hello? And, and in the, the state the world is in, it is important, so important, that we as the church get our priorities right. And my text is verse 35 of our reading. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white unto harvest it is time it's always time for the church to win the lost because outside of christ people are lost they really are i i, I may have said it to you before but but i i've realized this week there's a did you know there's a special day for people finding jesus there's a special day it's called today it's called today and we're living in a day when much of the church, and, and let me say, I love the church. Anybody like church? I think God's people are brilliant. So I don't want you to take anything I say this morning as a, a little dig at the church. No, because we're all the same, aren't we? I've, I've said to you before, you know, we're, we're all the same. And uh, so I love the church, but it seems to me there are times when the church is still saying four months and then comes harvest. There are great swathes of the so-called church that say the harvest doesn't matter. You know, oh, God will just sort of find a way to let everybody in. Well, the miracle is he's found a way to let anybody in through the cross. 
universalism. We don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach it. There are those that say, well, let's just sort the church out first. When we've got the church perfect, then we'll be able to go and win the lost. Good luck with that. Hello? Oh, well, maybe when we restore full apostolic ministry to the church, then we'll go through the nation like a hot knife through butter. I'll leave that with you. There are others that say, well, when revival comes, that's the answer to our prayers, and we'll shake this nation, uh, you know, and we'll see things happen. And let me tell you, I pray for revival. I have had, certainly the last 40 years, I've been praying for revival. But I've got to tell you, looking at these things, four months will be optimistic for any of them anyway. So if we're going to get serious about bringing in the harvest, I've, I've, I've consulted an expert. We need to listen to what Jesus said. He said, look at the fields. They are already white unto harvest. And those powerful words this morning. You see, the cross stands. The cross stands. That's why we can guarantee that the fields are white unto harvest because the power of the cross is just the same. And it's time to make up our minds, church. Was Jesus telling the truth? Hello? If he was telling the truth, then we have to get on with the job. Hallelujah. On that hot and dusty day, the circumstances were not right for evangelism. You know, that's why I took the time to read all of the story there. But Jesus believed the fields were white unto harvest. Let's look at the things that were against him. It, first of all, it was the wrong time, wasn't it? I'm sure somebody must have told Jesus only mad dogs and ancient Britons go out in the noonday sun. You know, I mean, it's the wrong time. 12 noon, the heat was unbearable. No one would be around. You might as well try growing bananas on the North Pole as to go out on evangelism at that time. Nobody will be there. But Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. Problem number two is the wrong place. She was a Samaritan. Now, <coughs> Andy mentioned earlier that we don't always get on with people, do we? I know you're different. You get on with everybody. But, uh, but I tell you what, the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get on very well, did they? You'll know that when Jesus wanted an extreme example of who is my neighbor, he picked a Samaritan because he knew what an impact that would have. Samaritans were largely based in the north of the country. Most of them descended from the ten northern tribes that largely rejected God during the, the book of Kings. Well, you can have a look at that when you get home. And Jesus asked this woman... For a favor. It was like the, you know, asking the Pope to speak at a Protestant Truth Society seminar. You know, they didn't talk to each other. But Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. Wrong place, wrong time, not for Jesus. I was walking through a factory floor once, I was 20 years of age, and, and, uh, wasn't the most godly place on earth in this printing factory that I worked. And one man just stretched out to me and said, you know, you should be a Christian. That's all he said. And, I, and I, to my shame, I laughed at him. And everybody else laughed as well. Because I was the one person. I was the one you would have said, not a chance. Not a chance. You'll never see him in church. And I made a mistake because I went up and I said, why? What's, what, go on then, clever clogs, why? 
He says, because I've watched you. He says, in everything you do, you are enthusiastic, whether it's football or ice skating, stuff that you do, you're enthusiastic and you're never going to find something to, to fulfill you till you find Jesus. Ouch. Wrong time. Wrong place. Changed my life forever. Just one word. And he always said, and he's still alive, bless him, he said, you were the easiest convert I ever had. <laughs> Not from my side, I wasn't. I was having this great struggle with God. But you see, the power of the cross is the same. The fields are white unto harvest. Another thing, th this woman was a dodgy woman, wasn't she? I mean, my mom always said to me, don't talk to strange women. Well, I don't know, but, you know, women were expected to be subservient in those days. What's more, this lady's got a dubious reputation. Jesus, what will people think of you if you go mixing with people like that? What will the other rabbis think of you when you get to the next conference? You should avoid people like that, Jesus. But Jesus said the fields are white to harvest. But Jesus, she wouldn't do much for your reputation. She's had five husbands already. Now she's decided not to bother with the paperwork. Hello? And to all outward appearances, she's messed up, at very best, morally confused. She hadn't been treated well by men, by the way, that's for sure. But inside, she was broken. Inside, she, she just grasped for the little bit of religion that she knew. Most of the men in the town didn't want to be seen anywhere near her. But Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. And it is time, church, for us to agree with Jesus. I want to whiz through, and I'm not going to keep you long, but uh, we should be out by three. Um, just a few things about this harvest uh, that, that I, I believe, and you can disagree. It's your privilege to be wrong. Number one, the salvation of souls is more important than anything. That man at work who said to me, you should be a Christian. I mean, he risked embarrassment. He risked everything. He didn't care. He didn't care. He loved Jesus. And you know, the salvation of souls is more important than anything. It's more important even than the latest trendy emphasis in church. And by the way, I believe we should always be moving forward. We should always be open to change. I really believe that. But, but we must have the priority of winning the lost. It's more important than our preconceptions about other people. Another thing about the, this harvest, we need to recognize that people out there are thirsty for living water. This lady was all geared to finding satisfaction at a physical level, whether it was through a water pot or another relationship. But Jesus spoke to the point of her need. And people out there are open. You know, it's one of the devil's big lies or nobody wants to hear. I tell you, people are desperate. You tell me, where is their hope in this world outside of the cross of Jesus? Hello? Out of a relationship with the living God. Ah, oh, to know him. Don't believe the lie. I'll move on quick. 
We need to understand that the tools for bringing in this harvest haven't changed. The Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the passion of fervent prayer, that essential measure of faith, it hasn't changed. I did a thing a few, a few months ago, I was looking at, at this subject, not this passage, and, and I decided I would look at what would be the key to church growth in these days. And I looked at it all, and I thought, all the things we think we need, the church, the early church didn't have any of it, but they had the power of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. You might be thinking about becoming a Christian today and you think, well, if only I could be good enough, but I can't. God knows you can't be good enough. But the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. You know, one thing that I find sad is that this woman's story, uh, her experience, is being repeated across our towns and our cities even as I speak, young women, young men who, who think they can find fulfillment by just going through relationship after relationship, looking for a quick fix. But there's a God-shaped hole in here. This woman has just searched everywhere for meaning, but she needed Jesus. She knew that sense of condemnation. She knew the feeling of never quite being good enough. You may be here today thinking, well, I, I really want to be a Christian and I've been trying hard. Well, that's where you've been getting it wrong. You can never make yourself good enough. But Jesus took your sin and he took your guilt on the cross and you can be accepted today through his blood. I don't know about you looking at this subject. I've just about had enough of negative thinking in the church at large. I know I'm a grumpy old man. I, I don't care. You know, people say, well, of course, the church is in decline. And Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. And then Christians say, yeah, but it's tough where we live. We always say that, don't we, wherever you go. But Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. And then and we worry about declining standards and we're, we're right to do everything we can in our society to stand for righteousness. But Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest. And the key to bringing in the harvest, here's the good news, you and me. Did you, did you feel it go a bit... Then? But I want to encourage you this morning... Jesus wants us to bring in the harvest, listen, but not by you being something you're not. You can be a vital part of this harvest by being yourself. Whew. That's a relief, isn't it? There are so many things we can do to bring in the harvest. There's just one ability that God is looking for today availability it's right in it we've looked at it a lot this year recent months that's the one ability god is looking for in you is availability our first song that we sang today had the word just jotted it down quickly we say yes you're ready to say yes to doing what you can do not what you can't 
Can you tell someone that God loves them? Well, actually, Rob, that scares me to death. I'd die of fright. Well, can you hand someone an invite to church? Maybe pop one through a door. Maybe take, some, take the step this week of telling someone you went to church on Sunday. That'll spark a conversation. Why don't you do that? Maybe you can volunteer to support the many activities that are done here to reach out into our community. You've got to do what you can do. See, it's very convenient to hide behind, well, I can't do that. When I got converted, which is a, and it's a long time ago, I was 20 years of age. I can't even add up that far back. And they, you know, Christians try to encourage you, don't they? They say you need to be an evangelist like Billy Graham. What? And I thought, well, I, I, perhaps I'm not called to be an evangelist. I'll pray. They said, well, you need to pray like Praying Hyde. If you've never heard of Praying Hyde, John Hyde, he prayed so hard that his heart moved to the other side of his body. Oh, perhaps I'm an administrator. No, no, and we, we <laughs> Listen, God calls you to be yourself. To be yourself. See, God is not looking for super saints. We really need to nail this. We really do. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I always wanted to put Jesus right. I want to say, excuse me, Jesus. I'd like to go out as a wolf in the midst of sheep. That I fancy. But you will know it's true we are out there as lambs, as sheep in the midst of wolves. And let's be honest, most of us have more, co more in common with sheep, don't we? It's true, isn't it? I mean, when God called us sheep, it wasn't exactly a compliment. I mean, you see all these rough, tough young lads today with all their tattoos. Anybody seen one with a tattoo of a sheep? <laughs> now, sheep are a little bit dim. They tend to follow the crowd. They are not brave. And I've got to tell you, actually, from, we lived next door to a field of sheep once when I was at Bible college. Sheep are a bit thick. I'm sorry, folks. I didn't... Hello? I send you a sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, listen, that's great. That's brilliant. If Jesus described that, he's describing how you feel about the harvest. Well, I can't quite do it. I'm not quite good enough. That's exactly how he wants you to feel. So that you can rely on him. So you can trust in him. I always say it and I'll say it again. God chose the weak and the foolish. And you got in. God chose the weak and the foolish. And we got in as, as, as sheep in the midst of wolves, Matthew 10, 16. Because the fields are white unto harvest. And God is looking for that yes from you, from you and from me today. We want to say, yes, Lord, we believe the harvest. I'm so excited about what God is doing in this place. I... I I, I'll tell, I'll, 
pastor's not listening. I'm praying he has some real problems because so many people are going to come into this place. Hello? Don't tell him, will you? Right. Because the fields are white unto harvest. And the heartbeat of this church has always been, and please God always will be, to win people out there for Jesus. And if you're not sure you know Jesus as your saviour, today is the day to come to him. I'm going to pray in a second. You've been very patient. Can't hear anybody snoring yet, but you've been very patient. But I believe God wants us to say yes to what we can do. Hello? I'm going to invite these good folks to come and just lead us in worship. But I'm going to pray. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure whether to do this or not, but, but if you know you need to say yes, Lord, this morning to what you can do, I'm going to invite you as I come to pray to stand, all right? I'm not going to ask you to come out or anything like that. I think some folk, it might just help you. And let me say it again. You're saying yes to what you can do. You know, we sometimes, the preacher preaches, and it's right that they do preach for commitment for the big tasks. But, but I really believe in the coming days, you're going to discover what you can do. The brave bit is saying yes before the Lord tells you. But I'm going to pray. And as I pray, if, you, if you're saying yes, Lord, we'll all stand in a minute to worship. But if you're saying yes, Lord, I'm going to play my part in this harvest by your grace. I'm going to invite you to stand right now as I pray. Oh, God. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we thank you for the word we heard earlier. The cross stands fast in the midst of the storm. Lord, so we pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we come before you now, Lord. Some of us are standing, Lord, as, as sheep in the midst of wolves. And Lord, I pray for a revelation that you will show these good folks what they can do. Lord, that you will deliver them from condemnation about things they can't. And Lord, open our eyes to the harvest, I pray. Lord, thank you. And Lord, we pray that as the harvest comes in more and more, Lord, that you and you alone will get glory. Lord, as we worship you now, Lord, fill us afresh with that anointing of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. In Jesus' name, amen.